Hey there, Laura here. For the next couple of weeks, the team at Hope Made Strong are busy working with organizations to create a downloadable resource called Mental Health Sunday. So that means for the next four weeks, we are jumping back to share a few of the most viewed sessions from the Church Mental Health Summit. I am so excited about this Mental Health Sunday resource. It includes everything your church would need to host an invitational Sunday experience on mental health and faith. Hope Made Strong, along with mission-minded partners, have created digital resources that include research notes, sermon ideas, video, social, and marketing assets, and a seven-day devotional. Plus, there are community invitations, congregate giveaways, and editable digital files. We're expecting to launch this resource soon, but if you're interested in jumping in on the waitlist and being the first to access this free resource, go to mentalhealthsunday.com. Now, it is important um, when we talk about going first, right, sharing our own experiences, that we pull apart kind of the differences between being descriptive and prescriptive, right? And so what I mean by that is if you share your story and you say, I used to be super anxious all the time, and then I started praying this one prayer and eating only kale salads, and now I have no anxiety. You need to be sure that that's phrased in a way that is descriptive of your experience and not prescriptive in the sense that, hey, all you need to do is pray this one prayer and eat kale salads, right? And your anxiety will be gone. Because what that does is that's not going to help a ton of people, right? Like it might help them a little, but there's there's a bunch of people for which that is not going to be the solution. And then they're going to feel worse because the thing that should have helped did not, right? And that brings a lot of guilt and shame of like, there's something uniquely wrong with me. And so when you when you share your own experiences, we want to make sure that we're being pres- uh, descriptive, not prescriptive. From Hope Made Strong, this is the Care Ministry Podcast, a show about equipping ministry leaders and transforming communities through care. Supporting those in your church and community not only changes individuals' lives, but it grows and strengthens the church. But we want to do that without burning out. So listen in as we learn about tools, strategies, and resources that will equip your team and strengthen hope. I'm Laura Howe, and welcome to the Care Ministry Podcast. The show today is a flashback to one of the top viewed sessions in our 2020 Church Mental Health Summit with Robert Vore. Now, Robert is a therapist, and he specializes in adolescent and young adults, and is the founder of CXMH Podcast, which is a fantastic podcast, and we'll link it in the show notes. His summit talk is titled, How to Have Conversations That Facilitate Healing and Foster Resilience. This It's a fantastic talk and has a ton of power-packed moments. Robert walks through simple and easy-to-do steps that will equip you to engage in supportive conversations. As ministry leaders, people are going to come to you looking for help. In fact, studies have shown that people are more likely to speak to their church about their needs rather than a mental health specialist. So leaders, you need to prepare yourself for these conversations. And you don't need a master's in counseling to be a supporter, but you do need to be intentional. Robert walks through four steps in starting the conversation. Then in the final step, which I'm going to be a spoiler here, is showing up. He identifies three ways that you can show up that can change someone's life. 
Churches can struggle with talking about mental health for a number of reasons, and some of those are that they believe that professionals should only address this issue, or they don't feel like they have the capacity to care for people in this way. But I'd like to echo a quote that Robert uses in his talk from Dr. Jerome Kagan. He says, being able to feel safe with other people is probably the single most important aspect of mental health. Safe connections are fundamental to meaningful and satisfying lives. Oh, this that's a good one. And this is what the local church needs to become, a place where people can create safe connections that are meaningful. So here it is. Here's Robert. All right. Welcome to this session here at the Church Mental Health Summit. My name is Robert Vore, and I'm really excited to share a little bit with you today. I do want to start by thanking Laura for all the hard work that she's put in to make all this happen. It's a really incredible chance to learn from just a ton of people who I admire and love. And so um, I'm just honored to, to also be a part of it, right? Um, so my name is Robert Vore. Like I said, I'm a therapist in the Atlanta area. I work primarily with adolescents and young adults. Um, I also uh, have kind of some specialty areas around anxiety, uh, suicidality, things like that. And I do a lot of um, consulting for like doing trainings for um, church staffs, things like that, youth groups, uh, private schools, things like that around mental health and how we kind of infuse faith and mental health together, right? Um, I'm also the host of CXMH podcast, which is a podcast that talks about faith and mental health. My co-host, Dr. Holly Oxhandler, is also presenting here at the summit uh, in the next couple of days, so make sure that you check out hers as well. Um, before I shifted into all of that from kind of a professional stance. Um, I worked at a number of college ministries and uh, taught some middle school, high school, and there was like a relational ministry aspect to that as well. And before any of that, I'm someone that has walked my whole life uh, with lived experience in things like anxiety, depression, suicidality, ADHD, right? And so uh, I say all that to say that when I when I talk about these things, it's not just from kind of one aspect, um, but it's from kind of all these aspects of having worked in ministry, having lived these things myself, and then now having kind of the clinical side and trying to to bridge all those the, those different areas together and see how we can we can do that. Um, so just, you know, so you know where I'm coming from with that. So today we're going to talk about um, having conversations, which seems like a really basic thing, but I think one of the questions that I get asked the most by faith leaders is how do we help, right? Okay, say you're coming into this and you're already convinced, okay, mental health is an important thing as a faith leader that I need to speak to uh, be aware of, acknowledge, things like that, right? Which if you've signed up for this and you're watching all these videos, my guess is probably that you, you agree with that already. Uh, I actually cut out the first chunk of this, which was why is this important, right? Because I'm kind of assuming that we're all coming from a baseline of like, yes, this is important. Um, but the, the question, how do we help is a hard one because we have to kind of dig underneath it and say, what do we mean by that, right? And so uh, I think when we talk about how we have conversations around mental health around hard topics? How do we how do we have conversations with people who are in pain, who are hurting, who are struggling with things, right? Uh, what, what we kind of mean by that, right, is like in those moments, in these kind of like moments where people are extending vulnerability to me, 
how do I facilitate healing and promote resilience, right? Like how do I, how do I do those two things and how do I do them well? And so I think how we have conversations uh, is, is critical to that. And so that's why I focused a lot on that. Um, so we're going to kind of get into it here with everybody's favorite, uh, some PowerPoint slides. Um, so obviously step one, right, is we have to open the door, right? And, and what I mean by this is just that it's, it's very hard for people to go beyond uh, the perceived boundaries of a given context, right? If you and I are friends and we've only ever talked about surface level things, we've never talked about anything serious, it's hard for me to be the one that, that kind of breaks that boundary and says, okay, I'm going to be the one that like goes deeper here, right? And especially in a context where there are people who are leaders, right, either formal or informal, right? Like I'm a, a leader in a church, either by title or just because I'm somebody who is very visible, who has been here for a long time, who uh, volunteers in a number of ways, right? But if I'm a, a faith leader in that context, then I'm one of the ones who stewards kind of the power of shaping what that looks like, right? And so for for you to be the one that opens the door and says, yes, we can talk about these things. These are uh, areas of our lives that we can be vulnerable about. These are topics that like are open for discussion is going to be really important, right? Uh, just to speak to the fact that like, if you're expecting your, uh, the people you're leading to be the ones to kind of bridge that, that broach that uh, gap first, right? Like, Hey, I'm, they're going to bring it up to me if they need to, right? Like I don't have to do anything. I would say, we should rethink that a little bit, right? And say, hey, I'm the one that kind of controls what a lot of this, or at least steers what a lot of this looks like and what the the perceived boundaries of this relationship, this community are, what those boundaries are. And so I need to be aware of that, right? And so opening the door to these conversations, right? Now, if you're going to do that, you're going to want to do that well. And so get your bearings, right? And by this, I mean, if you say, hey, I'm going to start talking about mental health, uh, I really want to bring it up, things like that, then you, should, you shouldn't do that kind of just flippantly, right? Like you should know kind of how, how to talk about that well. And I don't mean like you need to be the most professional, whatever, whatever. Like you don't have to go get a master's degree in counseling or social work or anything like that unless you really want to, right? But things like this, right, where you're attending trainings, um, you are reading some books, right? There's, there's a bunch of good books. Uh, if, I, if I had a bunch of time, I would like pull a bunch of books off the shelf behind me, but there's a bunch of books by people who are kind of bridging this gap, right? And so um, how do we like poke around websites, things like that, uh, so that I at least kind of understand the conversation and, and know what I'm talking about, right? We see I think probably too too much of people uh, these days just jumping into a conversation without having done any kind of preparation, any kind of research. And I would say, again, I'm not saying, you know, go spend 60 hours a week uh, digging into mental health unless you really feel like that's what you're supposed to do, but at least poking around some mental health websites, things like that, getting, getting some bearings um, is probably going to be pretty helpful to like speaking to that well, right? And then one of the easiest ways to do this is make it something you see. So if you're on social media, right, which most of us are now anyway, uh, just kind of as a function of running the church, Facebook or Instagram or whatever, right? Like if you're on those places, 
follow some mental health professionals, follow um, some mental health organizations, some national ones, right? Follow some local ones, uh, go to those websites and sign up for their newsletters so that it, it pops in right to your, to your inbox. And again, I'm not saying that every single time I scroll through and I see a mental health article, I have to read it, but at least then it's still kind of top of mind. And I'm not kind of having to go seek out mental health information every time I need to. I can just say, oh, look, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm reading an article about if I'm a youth pastor, youth mental health every, once a week or whatever, right? I'm, I'm kinda, I kind of know what's happening there, trends, things like that, right? Um, are some, some good ways to, to kind of um, make it something that you're more familiar with and it's not kind of this whole weird extra topic that like, oh, I have to go all the way over there and it's kind of scary to like get in there, right? But hey, I, I see this pretty often and so I'm, I'm a little more comfortable in that space, right? So if we're going to do that, open the door, things like that, talk about it, right? Um, one really important way of doing that is that you can go first, right? Now, to be really clear, uh, not everyone has had a diagnosis, and I'm not saying like invent that you've had a diagnosis with something, right? But you have you felt lonely, you felt sad, you felt afraid or, or pained or abandoned or hopeless or angry or confused or overwhelmed or stuck or you've had doubt, right? Like we've all experienced those things. That's the human experience. And so speaking to those things in a vulnerable way and being honest about them as opposed to, uh, hey, everything's always all great no matter what, opens the door for other people to, to kind of take that baton and say like, oh yes, hey, you mentioned this. Yeah, I've been, I've been going through that a lot recently, right? Um, it's what John Acuff calls the gift of going second, right? You don't have to be the one that first ever brings up uh, feeling a ton of anxiety right now, right? With everything happening, right? You've, you talked about that from the stage and therefore that allowed me to, to come to you and say, hey, remember you talked about that? Yeah, me too, right? It's way easier to say that than to be the first one that talks about it, right? Now, it is important um, when we talk about going first, right, sharing our own experiences, that we pull apart kind of the differences between being descriptive and prescriptive, right? And so what I mean by that is if you share your story and you say, I used to be super anxious all the time, and then I started praying this one prayer and eating only kale salads, and now I have no anxiety. You need to be sure that that's phrased in a way that is descriptive of your experience and not prescriptive in the sense that, hey, all you need to do is pray this one prayer and eat kale salads, right? And your anxiety will be gone. Because what that does is that's not going to help a ton of people, right? Like it might help them a little, but there's there's a bunch of people for which that is not going to be the solution. And then they're going to feel worse because the thing that should have helped did not, right? And that brings a lot of guilt and shame of like, there's something uniquely wrong with me. And so when you when you share your own experiences, we want to make sure that we're being pres uh, descriptive, not prescriptive, right? Okay. So if we open those doors, that means that people are going to walk through, right? Hopefully, if we've done it well. And we need to make sure then that, that we're prepared for having those conversations and how we have them uh, so that we're not just kind of throwing open the doors and saying, hey, everyone come talk to me about mental health or, or whatever's happening. And when they do, I'm caught totally off guard and I have no idea what to do with that, right? And so one thing we want to remember here is that experience changes experience, right? And what that means is no matter how much you say upfront, 
hey, this is a safe place for you to be vulnerable and talk about these things and whatnot, that what is going to convince people that that's true is if they have experienced themselves or other people doing that, being vulnerable, talking about those things, and it being safe within the context of your community, right? So if you say, hey, how come nobody's coming and talking to me about their hard things? But last, last time someone came and said, hey, I've already been struggling with depression. You said, oh, that's just a sin issue. That's really terrible. Make sure you just go pray and then you should really, it should all go away. That experience doesn't match what you've said. And so the experience matters more, right? So experience changes experience. And I say that because we're going to focus in terms of having conversations. We're going to focus less on what we say and like the specifics, although we're going to touch on some of that, but we're going to focus a lot on who we are, right? Like how we show up to that, those, those moments. Uh, and this is a, a quote from a professor of mine actually in grad school who wrote a book and she says that all relationships exist in states of being rather than doing. And what we do in the relationship flows out of who we are with each other. So when we think about how do I uh, have these conversations, how do I uh, help in the sense of how is my presence uh, facilitating healing and promoting resilience, what we want to make sure is I'm focusing on on how I'm showing up and then what I do is going to flow out of that, right? So there's three kind of main things, right? Because if we're if our goal is to facilitate healing and promote resilience, and I know those are kind of big phrases, but I'm, that I want to be specific about that language because that's how I understand it. Uh, what we want to make sure that we're doing is creating safety for people and fostering connection, and we can do those within conversations or what, I, what I'm calling um, kind of these vulnerable moments where people say, "Hey, I'm, I'm opening up to you with my pain." Um, and that usually takes the form of conversations, but it can it can it doesn't always look like hey let's sit down and have a conversation right. Um, but this is a, a quote from Dr. Bonnie Badnock where if if we're talking about how do I create safety for people, um, what she points out here is neurobiology gives us a, a pretty particular definition of what creates safety for each other um, interpersonally. And there's three core components here, and it's going to kind of be the framework for all, everything else that we talk about, right? But it's when we are truly present with another person, with a non-judgmental presence that has no agenda except to be there. So present, non-judgmental, and no agenda except to be there, right? And that's going to kind of undergird all the kind of specifics that we talk about. Okay? So first, when we think about being present, uh, most basic things here, right, is listen. Uh, that sounds really basic, uh, but it really is the, the key component here, right? I, um, I knew a really wise woman one time who said that the first duty of love is to listen, right? If, I, if I'm not listening, then I don't know what you're going through. I don't know uh, where you're coming from, right? You don't feel heard. You don't feel valued, all those types of things, right? So we want to make sure that we're listening. Okay, so step two, we want to listen deep, right? And here's what I mean is that if I come to you and I say, hey, those nachos look really good, I could have said a bunch of different things, right? I could have said, visually, those nachos are appealing. I could have said, hey, I'm hungry. Could I have some? I could have said, hey, you said you were on a diet and now here you are eating nachos, right? Like there's, there's a lot of ways that I could have meant the phrase, those nachos look good, right? And so listening deep means I'm, I'm not just kind of listening at the, the surface level, I'm also listening. Uh, 
it's kind of the content level versus the process level. I'm also listening at how you're saying it, what's behind it, right? Things like that, um, so that I'm not just responding to the top level. And I also want to ask deep, right? And what this means is uh, if I say, hey, how are you doing? And you say, I'm, I'm good, how are you? I probably want to say, okay, how are you doing though, right? Because we all kind of give that quick answer, right? So I, uh, a couple years ago, I was, I was at an event doing some trainings and I saw someone who I hadn't seen. They'd been working in another country for the last year, right? And I said, hey, how's the last year been, right? Uh, knowing that, that it had been a little bit hard in terms of the ministry they were doing. And I, I specifically remember it, right? They said to me, they said, oh, it's good. It's, you know, it was, yeah, it was okay. It was, yeah. And I said, okay, you said three different answers there, right? So like, how was that, right? And so being willing to kind of go beyond if obviously if we have time and things like that, right? But I'm not just going to kind of accept the first like, oh yeah, it's good or whatever, right? I know for me, uh, there was one chunk of my life that was particularly hard uh, that job stuff and personal stuff, right? And people would often ask me at the job that I had then, they'd say, hey, how's it going? And I would say, ah, living the dream, right? And it was always that, I don't know why, I don't know where that came from, but that was my like, I'm going to kind of make you laugh and then get out of here because it's like kind of sarcastic and we both knew it was kind of sarcastic, right? But like, then I could get out of there, right? But there were some people who would say like, oh, uh, that's kind of funny, but like how, really, how's it going, right? And that's a very different thing to, to kind of ask deep, right? And all three of those, those last three things require me as the, the person who is having the conversation or as the, the faith leader or whatever, right, to be pretty present in terms of I'm not already jumping ahead to uh, whatever else I need to do. I'm not like trying to get out of that conversation quickly. I'm not um, more worried about my response than listening, right? All three of those kind of fall in that present um, range. Okay, so the, the second kind of chunk of that was non-judgmental, right? And what this means, it doesn't mean I'm never going to have an opinion about anything. And it doesn't mean never have any negative judgments. It means I'm going to opt for curiosity as opposed to judgment, right? So if you come to me and you say, hey, I've been feeling really anxious recently, or I've been struggling with anxiety, right? I'm not going to assume that I immediately understand and jump to a judgment about that and the solutions and things like that, right? I'm going to opt for curiosity, right? And so when I talk about not assuming you understand, one of the, the most helpful phrases I've ever learned both in ministry and in like a clinical context, right, is what's that experience like for you, right? Because if you come and you say, hey, I've been experiencing a lot of anxiety recently, that means different things to everyone, right? If I talk about having anxiety, that might mean something different than you and something different than uh, the person that you know, right? And so I'm going to kind of ask a little bit more, right? Like, what's that experience like for you? What, what, what else is happening? What do you mean by that, right? Um, so that I can kind of get underneath and, and not just assume that I understand and talk as if I understand, kind of respond, give advice, things like that, that doesn't meet and isn't relevant to whatever's happening with you, right? Because that then, okay, then the person shuts down and says, okay, they don't, they don't actually understand, never mind, this was pointless, right? And then probably less likely to, to reach out to someone again. Um, be prepared by that. Um, I mean, some of that has to do with uh, getting some knowledge and things like that that we talked about earlier, but also 
if if I'm opening the door to these conversations in my faith community, right? Uh, what happens if somebody really needs to talk and they start crying, right? Is there somewhere that we need to kind of step out? Are there some some places we can go? Um, does my faith community have certain uh, protocols if someone talks about this thing or that? If somebody talks about uh, being abused, do we have, like, do I need to tell someone that? Like, is there somebody that, that I'm supposed to talk to about this? Things like that, right? Uh, what if somebody talks to me about having suicidal thoughts and they're kind of like actively in crisis, right? If I, if I have no idea and I've never even considered any of those possibilities, I'm, I'm going to freak out probably in that moment, right? Because instead of being able to listen, my mind is going to be racing in terms of who do I need to get? What do I need to call? Do I need to, Oh, I can't leave them. What do I do? Like, who do I, right? But if I, if someone comes to me and says, Hey, I'm, I'm having this kind of crisis and I say, okay, I know I know where our resource sheets are that we can refer people. I know some, some local places that we can refer to for a crisis or for counseling or whatever. Right. Or I know, you know, kind of how to not, right. Like I can just from a physiological standpoint, I won't be as like caught off guard and freaked out. And uh, from a cognitive standpoint, I'm not going to be trying to figure out 17 different things. I can say, okay, I kind of know what next steps are. I can, I can be present here and not rush to a bunch of different things. Right. It's important to remember that this, the, the calmer you are, the safer another person feels, right? Just that's how like our, our um, physiology works is like if I'm kind of emotionally activated, you can sense that and then you also are, right? And so it's this idea of co-regulation, right? Like if I can stay pretty calm uh, and just not treat what's happening as a crisis, right? Because if I treat what's happening as a like you have come to me with something, I treat it as a crisis and freak out. Again, you are never going to come to me again uh, because what you've learned is when I confide in a person about this, it is a terrible experience. They freak out and then that freaks me out. And that, right. So we want to kind of not go that route. And then the third, the third one of that definition, the third part of that definition from Dr. Baynock was with no agenda except to be there, right? And this this requires kind of some internal work, right? So uh, for example, this one says, know your limits, right? Uh, if someone comes to you and talks about something that you say, this is way out of my depth, I, I have no idea, uh, not acting as if I have the answers or feeling like I need to, right? And this is where that agenda kind of comes in. I need to be able to wrestle with the fact of, if I feel like I need to have an answer and I need to uh, solve your pain, explain your pain, wrap it in theology so that like, it's nice and neat and you can leave. Or if I need you to leave feeling a ton better, right? Like if I'm very uncomfortable with you being upset in any way, that is my own agenda getting in the way of being able to be here and create a safe space for you, right? Because then my goal is, isn't really to help. My goal is how do I stop you from crying? How do I get you back to normal so that I can go do my other thing? How do I um, solve this issue so that when I go home, I feel like, well, I did a good job that, right. All that is my own agenda, but I can, I can set that aside if I can like honestly kind of wrestle with that. And so for this one, talking about knowing your limits, what are the things that once we get past this point, right. Uh, I probably need to refer out things like that. Say like, Hey, you should also talk to a therapist, things like that. Right. If you're talking about feeling really depressed and, it is past the point of functional impairment, right? Like you are so depressed recently that 
you literally aren't getting out of bed and you can't go to work and it's like ruining your whole life, that's probably at a level where like I can play some role as a faith leader, but I also need to involve potentially some like clinical side, right? So I'm going to make sure that I know my limits on that. Uh, practice, right? This one sounds a little silly, but if I, and I know we're not in person, but if we were in person and I broke you off into pairs and I said, hey, I want you to alternate uh, telling the other person, hey, thanks for meeting with me. I've really been thinking about suicide recently, right? I need to practice hearing that and knowing what my reaction is, right? So that I can be comfortable or more comfortable, right? We're not going to probably be 100% comfortable, but I can be more comfortable in terms of that calm, like I know how to respond aspect. I'm not caught entirely off guard. Um, I don't communicate like um, one of the ministries that I used to work for called it shock face, right? Like if you tell me something and I go, oh no, what? That's, you know, um, and so that I can do my own work, right? Practicing helps us doing our own work. So if, if there's a certain thing that, if I came to you and I said, Hey, I'm really having, really having trouble with, uh, substance abuse, right? Like I'm drinking a lot and I'm really concerned about that. And you feel internally a sense of anger. You need to know what that's about, right? Is there something in my past or right? Like I need, I need to be able to, you need to, I'm messing with the pronouns a little, right? But like as the helping person, I need to be aware of what's happening within me and know that that's, that's within me and I can sort that out at some point, right? But practicing is going to help so that I'm not kind of doing it live, so to speak, right? And when I talk about um, doing your own work, this, ha- this needs to happen in a pretty particular context, right? Um, if my warning light, my check engine light on my car comes on, um, there's, there's people that I trust to take that to, whether it's professionals or people who have worked with cars enough to know what to do with that right? So people who have done that type of work themselves or professionals, I'm not going to take it to, uh, you shouldn't take it to me, right? If your check engine light comes on, you shouldn't bring me your car. I'm just taking wild guesses and we might mess up the car even further, right? So the, the same type of thing here, right? Like your own kind of internal emotional work, the way that you react to things needs to be done with people who have either done a bunch of that work in themselves and you can kind of tell that, right? Or a professional, not just random people, whoever happens to be around and expect that, that that's going to be super beneficial. Obviously talk to people about things, but you know what I mean? Um, so doing your own work so that we're not kind of working out our emotional wounds on people who are coming to us for help, right? Because that's that's not good ministry. Okay, so some people uh, are going to ask, like, okay, but how does all this actually help, right? And my my answer is, uh, if you look at this, right, the the common threads that run through most mental health type related things and just human pain and suffering in general, right, are as as Dr. Vanderkolk says here, right, uh, trouble creating relationships, so uh, interpersonal connectedness, right or difficulties in kind of regulating arousal, things like that, right? Uh, so if we, if we flip that around, we talk about creating safety and fostering connection, right? We're making sure that people feel safe and that they uh, are being connected, right, with us and with other people. And in doing that, 
and there's a longer explanation that is for another time probably of how this this breaks out in my brain but uh, if we can do those both well then long term what we're doing is facilitating healing and promoting resilience right and again here's just another quote uh, being able to feel safe with other people right so in safety and connection is probably the single most important aspect of mental health safe connections safe connections are fundamental to meaningful and satisfying lives right so uh that's that's uh, all i've got if you want to connect with me i'm sure there's links but uh, you can find me all over the place at robert-4.com that will connect you to whatever else you want to find and then like i mentioned that podcast cxmhpodcast.com you can find it there or wherever you listen to podcasts um, thank you so much i hope to to hear from some of you if you want feel free to reach out with any questions things like that thanks for joining me Thanks for listening. I encourage you to put what you've heard into action today. How are you going to be intentional about building a culture of care, that safe place for others in your church? And if what you've heard today was helpful, it would be fantastic if you can write a review or rate the podcast. This really will help others find the podcast more easily. Thanks so much for connecting. Take care.